Life Audio. Welcome to the Real Refreshment Podcast. Join us as we dive into motherhood at the foot of the throne with your host, Rachel Carmen. If you are tired, overwhelmed, and feeling alone, this is the place for you. A place for real moms with real stories seeking real refreshment found only in the living God. Take a minute to visit rachelcarmen.com and join the community of Real Refreshment listeners who are taking the dare to be in the Word as a top priority in the journey of motherhood. All right, let's kick off this latest episode of the Real Refreshment Podcast. Here's your host, Rachel Carmen. And we're back in our Abide series. We're in part two. It's technically episode three. I did not do that to confuse you, although it is confusing to me in my notes. We are now on point two, which is participate. So we talked last time about what does it look like to practice abide. This time we're going to talk about what it looks like to participate in abide. And next time we're going to talk about what it means to persevere in abide. So those are our three points. Last time we talked about wait and obey. This time we're going to talk about responding to the invitation extended to each one of us by the Almighty, broadly, generally extended to us, and then individually extended to us. And this is a beautiful thing. It is throughout this passage. So I have tons of scripture. I am going, you'll probably hear me flipping through my Bible today. All of these passages are included in the study guide that you can pick up over at rachelcarmen.com for further study. And yes, I double dog dare you to do further study. Please do not rely on me for all of the deep truths that the Holy Spirit wants to show to you. I really just hope this is a starting point for you. I really, again, hope that this is just inspiring you to go home and get out your Bible and study for yourself. And I do hope you have a good study Bible. I like, I've got a variety of Bibles, actually. I really love the NASB 95. It's the one that I've got here today that I'll be referencing. Mine is actually falling apart. But I also enjoy the ESV Study Bible. Both have cross-references. The ESV Study Bible also has notes at the bottom, which I find incredibly helpful. They have introductions to each book and maps and charts. And if you are a Bible nerd like I am, you'll love all that stuff. So I that's really what I'd love to do every day is just get in and dig all this out and see how it all works together. I love that. And that's one of the things I want to show you Whereas the world and biblical critics want to convince you that this is not a cohesive message of love from God to you, they want to tell you that it contradicts itself, that we don't really know. And I'm here to tell you that's just not true. I hope that in our time together, you can see how it all comes together for one cohesive story of love. Yes, there are limits of God's love, and that's a good thing because he doesn't just say, hey, go do whatever you want to. He actually says, live like this and you'll benefit. And so that's what I want to encourage you to do. That's what this is all about. So again, we are in John 15, verse 1 through 17, looking at this idea of abide. It's throughout this passage. We read it out loud last time. I won't do it this time, but we did read it in its entirety last time. And this time I want to look at the central point, this idea of what does it look like to participate 
in abiding in God. In other words, this idea of abide in me is not something that we do passively. It's actually an invitation to respond to that we need to dare to participate in. We don't just need to sit back and say, yeah, that sounds great. I agree with the need for that, but I don't have to do anything right Oh no, you get to do something and there are so many blessings that come along with this, this kind of abiding participation. So I have 10 listed. Yeah, don't let that panic you. I have 10 listed with corresponding scripture, not just in chapter 15 of John, but also throughout the biblical narrative. And my list is not going to be exhaustive. So I'm really hoping that you'll find some new nuggets that you can even share with me over at rachelcarmen.com. So first, I believe there's an invitation here in John 15 to fruitfulness. Now, really, at the end of the day, what this means is what we do matters. Now, again, I had seven children. Right now, they range in age from 33 to 20. So I'm not in that trench time when they were all shorter than me and I was making peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and buckling everybody into car seats. It felt like constantly. But I do still remember that because you just don't forget it, right? And there were days when I was doing that, when I was in that mundane period, when I felt like all I was doing was nursing or changing a diaper or reading another storybook for the third time in a row or cleaning up orange shoes off the floor. You know, I just felt like my days are rotating laundry. I just felt like every day was the same, right? I wanted it to matter. But what we're assured here in John 15 is it does matter. He's inviting us to participate, and the outplay of our determined, intentional participation with Him is fruitfulness. Let's look here at John 15, verse 2. It says, Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, He takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, He prunes so that it may bear more fruit. Skipping down to verse 4 and 5. Therefore, abide in me, and I in you, as a branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. So neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So this is one of those truths that I had to learn the hard way, for, because for many years in my early mothering I was really trying to do it all on my own. I was saved, but I was one of those saved people who wasn't interested in a whole lot of help because I just felt like I had I had it all under control. And it took a series of life consequences for me to come to the conclusion that had been true for a really long time, and that was that I really did need Him. And to learn to need into Him and depend on Him And that's where my fruitfulness came, when I abided in Him, when I wasn't just trying to be this lonely shoot in a vineyard all by myself. I needed to abide in Him because it was only when I abided in Him that I was going to be fruitful. Mom, if you're feeling like nothing is being fruitful, I just want to challenge you to consider, are you abiding in Him? Are you just trying to do it on your own? Because I know what that's like. And it's frustrating, and it's exhausting, and it's overwhelming. But 
when we dare to abide in Him, to let Him be the source, let Him be our grounding and our rootedness, then we are fruitful. And you really will. As you seek God, you will see that fruitfulness come over and over. So what kind of fruitfulness am I talking about? I'm not just talking about the progress you see in your own spirituality, in your own life. But I'm also talking about just the, the fruit of the Spirit as outlined in Galatians 5, 22 and 23. We'll see fruitfulness when we abide in God that will show itself as love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The passage says that these are together the fruit, singular, of the Spirit. So like the attributes of God, God is not all of these different things, just good, loving, merciful. He's not all of those separately. He's all of those in complement to each other. It's the same with the fruit of the Spirit. The idea, these aren't fruits of the Spirit, like you can pick all of those off separately. It They all together constitute the fruit of the Spirit. And as we abide in Christ, we will see those fruit, we will see that fruit manifest itself in the way that we interact with our husband and our children and everyone around us. Stay tuned, and we're going to come back and look at the other nine things that we get to participate with when we respond to His invitation to abide. Is it hard to spark meaningful conversations with your kids? Whether you're a homeschool hero, planning activities for the next family vacation, or simply gathering around the dinner table, we've got something that can help. Introducing the Daily Family Conversation Starter by best-selling author Katie Clemens. This remarkable book offers 365 imaginative ways to connect with your children in just five minutes each day with prompts like, who made you laugh today? Or what would you do if you had a tail? These simple questions open up a world of laughter, curiosity, and deeper connections. From dinner time to sleepy time, the Daily Family Conversation Starter is your key to creating memories that will last a lifetime. Don't wait to transform your family's daily routine into an adventure of discovery and fun. Grab your copy of The Daily Family Conversation Starter today, wherever books are sold. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Okay, we only knocked out number one, so I need to really hustle. Number two, we have the opportunity for unity. 
when we respond to this invitation to participate with what he's already doing, we get to experience unity with God. And I'm going to tell you that is beneficial in so many different ways. We need to be working in conjunction and stop trying to do it all by ourselves. Our passage for this one is found in Colossians 3. Verse 14, again, I'm turning my pages as quickly as I can today. Beyond all these things, it says, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. The perfect bond of unity. So you remember that we talked last time, what is the key in obedience? It's loving God, worshiping Him. And as we walk in that love, we have this unity with God. If we are going to choose against loving God and against loving neighbor, if we're going to choose not to love in the patience and kindness way that 1 Corinthians lays out, then we can't have unity with God. But if we dare to love, we will have unity because love is a characteristic of that abiding. Number three, we get to participate in being safe. Now, this may sound sort of odd, but in this context, I think it will become very clear. If we look at our text, John 15, and then we look at verse, let's see. So if we look in our text at verse 6, we see this. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up. And they gather them and cast them into fire and they are burned. So clearly, I don't want to be cut off and disunified with Christ because that means that I'm cast out. I want to be safely abiding in Him. And that's what He offers. Throughout the Psalms, you can read about God being our refuge and our strength. That's what we want. In Deuteronomy thirty-three twenty-seven, it says, we are held in His everlasting arms. His everlasting arms. There's safety. Psalm 91, under the refuge, the safety, the shadow of his wing. That's where we're invited. That's where we're invited to have safety and shelter. Number four, when we participate, we have the invitation to request of God. I just want to ask you, are those some things that you need? I'm not asking for things you want. There are whole heretical teachings on this component of the invitation that I'm just going to say now, I'm going to call out now, that are wrong. Because when we abide, we are invited to request of God. But because of our abiding, because we are unified, because we are in Him, what we desire is going to be in line with His will. That's how this works You cannot abide in Him and ask for something selfishly. When you're abiding in Him, what you want more than anything is His will. That's what you want more than anything. We talked about the example last time in the Garden of Gethsemane when Jesus brought His disciples along, and we talked about how He... 100% man, 100% God, we see him wrestle, right? He knows what's coming. He knows what's coming. And what does he ask? He asks if there's any other way, but not my will, but yours. More than anything, more than anything, Jesus wanted the will of the Father. 
And when you and I want the will of the Father, when we go, we ask for anything in line with the will of the Father, it says He will give it when it's in line with the will of the Father. And as you and I abide in Him, we can make those requests known. In Philippians 4, this is probably a relatively familiar passage to you also. Philippians 4, beginning in verse 4. Actually, let's begin in verse 5. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Wow. But do you hear the setup? Do you hear it? Because it's clear. Be anxious for nothing. In everything, by prayer and supplication, submitting with thanksgiving, thanking God in advance for who he is, what he's already done and what he's already doing, thanking him for his good, pleasing, and perfect will, right? Let your request be made known to God. Look, in that context, what could we ask for? but His good, pleasing, and perfect will. And then also you'll be familiar with the verse in Hebrews, Hebrews 4, 16. It begins with a therefore. Here we are. There are many therefores in the book of Hebrews. Therefore, it says, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace at our time of need. So yes, we need, God invites us to lay out our request. Number five, as we respond to God's invitation, we have an opportunity to participate in discipleship, in discipleship. This is all about the process of becoming the disciples that God intends for us to be. To that issue of being transformed into His image means that we are discipled in His truth, through His Word, through life circumstance. One of the ways that we are discipled, again, is in studying His Word. And another familiar passage, perhaps, for you is Second Timothy Three, sixteen, and 17, all scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God, the woman of God, may be adequately equipped for every good work. Spending time in God's word is a way, a form of discipleship, because you are daring to lean into the truth that God teaches in Scripture so that you may be conformed into the image of His Son. That's what discipleship is. Six, participation in the invitation that God extends to us is joy. We get joy. Nehemiah 8.10 says, The joy of the Lord is my strength. Mom, if you are feeling tired, if you are feeling exhausted, you and I need to dare to get back to the joy of the Lord. I can remember many times when I would have to drag myself to the washer and the dryer, in front of which I spent a lot of time, just let me tell you. But on my washer and dryer, I literally had a book stand, and I kept my hymnal on top of it. And I made it a practice to sing through my hymnal as I would do the laundry. And I can tell you over and over and over the times that it really did strengthen me to go back in with the kids, to change another diaper, to wipe another runny nose, to run outside and play with them, to read another storybook. That's It gave me the strength that I needed, acknowledging God, who He is, the gift of His salvation. The psalmist talks about the joy of my salvation. Look, you and I can be joyful all the time. 
all the time. Barbara Johnson used to say, pain is inevitable, but misery is optional. And that's true. As the children of the high king, you and I can find joy in the most horrible, terrible, sad circumstances because we have the hope of heaven. We have the confident assurance that he's coming back and taking us home. Whatever it is right now that we're in the middle of that is just overwhelming us with grief and sadness, it's not going to last forever. Our time with him is. Our time with him is. And we can draw joy and thereby strength through remembering that. Number seven, the invitation allows us to participation in love. You and I can know what it means to love as God would have us to love. Again, looking back into our passage in John 15, he says that if you love me, you will keep my commandment. And he further says, this is love, that you lay down your life for your friends. This is love. And that's what we're called to. Look, the world's definition of love is ever-changing. They're never going to get a definition and stick to it. It's going to continue to be relative, and it will continue to change. But the word of the Lord stands forever. And love's standard in the word of the Lord is sacrificial definitively. Definitively. And yet we don't have to do it alone. We're not called to do it alone. He is with us every step of the way as we dare to participate with him. Participate with him. By loving. Number eight, friendship with God. Abraham was called a friend of God in Isaiah 41 8. And you may not be as familiar with this passage, but over in James 4, we are admonished. I don't know if you remember this from the book of James. It's a passage that is sometimes read over. We will pick up in James 4 4. It says, You adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is hostility toward God. Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Those those are tough words. So often you and I think that we can have our foot, one of our feet in the world and one of our feet with God. And right here, James makes it really clear. Uh, yeah, no, you can't do that. Friendship with the world is hatred towards God. You got to choose. But friendship with God is what we're invited to. Fellowship with Him, love with Him, unity with Him. To be His disciples, to make our requests known, to have security and safety, to be fruitful. That's friendship with God. And that's what we're invited to participate with. Number nine, we are invited to participate in the preparation of our souls for our eternal home. This is not just a practice run. This, our lives here matter for eternity. All that we are going through here, all that we face, all we lose, all of our woundings, all of our successes, all of the blessings, all of it combined is allowed, is ordained for our good to prepare us for our heavenly home. And not just to prepare us for our heavenly home, but to prepare us to minister to others. You'll remember the passage that says, comfort others with the comfort you yourself have received. All of the blessings that God bestows upon you, the healing, the protection, the provision, all of that, He blesses you and I with so that we'll pay it forward. 
so that we'll share it with someone else. We're not supposed to hoard that. We're supposed to share it. And all of that prepares us to go home and celebrate Him. So we're invited to participate in our own preparation. Our own preparation. 1 Peter 1, 13 through 16 says this, Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Keep sober in spirit. Fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lusts. But, like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves, also in all your behavior. Because it is written, you shall be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. All of this is a preparation for us to be holy, to be holy. And that preparation can sometimes be painful. It's often hard. Sometimes it's even scary. But that's his objective, that we would be holy as he himself is holy. All of this is part of that preparation. And finally, number 10, it's an invitation. As we respond, what he's inviting us to, what he's inviting us to participate in is another thing that the world knows nothing of. He's inviting us to contentment, to contentment. That is something that the world knows nothing of. You've probably heard the song, I Can't Get No Satisfaction. My understanding is that that song was written when he was trying to just get some sleep. And he couldn't get any sleep. I can't get no satisfaction, the song goes. You and I can have satisfaction. You and I can have contentment. We don't have to race around and rush around after the things of this world. We don't. And we certainly don't have to race and rush around after things of this world that change next week that the world says we need that are whole brand new things next week. No, he invites us. It's an invitation to participate in ongoing contentment because of the sufficiency of his mercy and grace, because of the abundance and the lavishness of his love. That's what he's offering us. In our passage, he talks about the peace that is available to us as we dare to rest in him. Look in verse 7. It says this, if you abide in me, And my words abide in you. Ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Again, we look at this issue of requesting and we can know that whatever we need, whatever we need that's in line with his will, he's going to give us. And let me just suggest to you, he's already done for you everything you need. In sending his only son, the perfect lamb of God, to die on Calvary's cross to pay the sin debt that you and I can never pay, he's already done all that you ever need. Already done. Then having resurrected on the third day, defeating death, it's the exclamation point. Mercy was given and extended on Calvary's cross. Forgiveness All of your sins forgiven as far as the east is from the west. And then grace abounding in the resurrection on Easter Sunday. And the the extension of the hope of heaven. We have contentment, you and I. We can rest in that knowledge. 
Back in Philippians, we'll go back there for just a minute, back in chapter 4, and you'll remember that Philippians is written by the Apostle Paul from prison, and the theme of the book is, is, hold on to it, joy. So he was in a really lousy place. He knew what was coming. He was going to be martyred. He knew that. And throughout the book of Philippians, he, he writes back to the church at Philippi, joy, 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 rejoice in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice over and over and over because he had found contentment. Let's read now in verse 11, chapter 4, verse 11 of Philippians. Not that I speak from want, Paul's writing here, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am in. I know how to get along with humble means, and I also know how to live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, of having abundance and suffering need. I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. That's contentment. Because you want to know what it was grounded in for Paul? It was grounded in the Lord Christ. He knew he had everything he needed if he had Jesus, and he had Jesus. He had Jesus. This is the invitation. This is the I. This is the center point in the word abide is this invitation to participate in what he's already doing. For your homework, I want to suggest to you that you consider some other characters in the biblical narrative that were also given this invitation to participate. I think of Noah. God goes to Noah and extends an invitation to Noah to participate in what he's going to do to save Noah and his family. And Noah worked hard in that participation. Noah responded to that invitation. God goes to Moses at the burning bush and extends an invitation. Moses' response is not the same as Noah's. In Scripture, we're told that Noah did all that the Lord commanded. He's been asked to do a, a somewhat ridiculous thing, build a large boat in the middle of nowhere, over the span of anywhere from 90 to 120 years, depending on which scholar. That's a long time without a Lowe's to call for wood. And he did it. He did all that the Lord commanded. Goes to Moses at the burning bush. Moses comes up with five excuses why it's just not a workable option. And I think Moses probably more honestly represents you and me. God invited Moses to be a part of what he was going to do to lead his people out of captivity. And you can just go on down the list. You talk about the prophets. God extended an invitation to the prophets to be the voice, to say, thus saith the Lord, to deliver the message that nobody wants to deliver consistently. The message of the prophets was repent. It's just not a popular message. And yet God asked them, invited them to be a part of what he was going to do. He includes us, you and me. Mom, God is including you in what he's doing to raise up a generation that would honor and praise him, seek and serve him. That's what you're doing every day. If you're working, God has extended an invitation to you to be part of a light in a dark world. Will you, at your workplace, no matter how lousy or frustrating or irritating your fellow work compadres are, are you daring to shine the light of Christ? Are you daring to be a part of what God wants to do in and through the lives of those people. At your church, in your family, wherever you are, God extends an invitation to you and I. Remember the story of Mary. The angel comes to Mary, and there's this invitation to be a part of what God's going to do. And her response may be unto me according to your word. 
the disciples. The disciples, come follow me. Come follow me. And that is the same invitation to you and me today. Come, follow me. Come, follow me. Come, follow me. That's the invitation. Live sober. Be wise. Stand firm. Be on guard. Honor me in word and deed. That's the invitation. Shine a light in the darkness. Dare to live sacrificially, dare to love biblically. That wraps up part three of our series in Abide. I'll see you next time for part four. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you have a question or comment, we invite you to send it to info at rachelcarmen.com. And while you're at Rachel's website, check out her wonderful resources, including the Word in Motion Bible curriculum. We want to take a second to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us on the podcast. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and more. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you'll find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. Moms, more than ever, we really do need each other. We need to be challenged, and we need accountability in the Word. Thanks for joining us, and we'll catch you in the next episode of The Real Refreshment Podcast. Once in a generation, a podcast comes along with the power and eloquence to inspire us all. This show will entertain you while you wait for that one. Join two best friends, author and former history teacher John Driver and comedian Johnny W. for hilarious and authentic conversations about life, history, culture, faith, and everything in between. You can listen to Talk About That wherever you find your podcasts or at lifeaudio.com.